0: Uh, Pastor Harvey and Sister Harvey, thank you so much for your invitation and your hospitality. Um, we certainly love to come here and preach. In fact, uh, today is going to be part two from what I preached last time I was here, which was, what? Build a bridge. Okay, Because you're in the last service, you don't get 50 dollars. <laughs> Build a bridge. You remember that sermon? Yes. At the time I preached that, it was the ter- first time I preached it here. Uh, not only the first time I preached it, uh, not only just here, but I've actually preached that message since then, many other places, because I believe that God laid that on my heart for the church in Australia. And, uh, and the, I was wanting to preach, and I was saying, Lord, what am I going to bring them? And you know all this I could get back was build a bridge, and preachers just don't come back and preach the same message again <laughs> that's, that's not really appreciated <laughs> uh, and uh oh, I was saying, you know, laying on my bed thinking lord what 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 is it that you want me to preach about and uh, And then he began to give me thoughts uh, sometimes when you're preparing a message, you really wonder where God's taking you right, right. and uh, and then uh He started giving me some direction and eventually it all came together. And now I think I'm going to preach this one, not only here, but I'll preach it in other places (laughs) around Australia as well. Amen. You're a great church, you have great leaders, and we thank God for you. The church in Australia is growing. For the last uh, 18 years, the church in Australia has grown by an average of about 7.5% Every year, that's after people die, and after people leave the church for one reason or another, we're still growing at that rate. And uh, amongst amongst denominations today, many are on on the decline. The Pentecostals are on the in incli- on the incline, and we're right up there with the numbers. Amen. Let's never ever. Uh, sit back and think these are uh, are pretty bad times. They are bad times, and although our Prime Minister is not in this church, at least he's Pentecostal. (laughs) It basically is unheard of around the world to have a Pentecostal Prime Minister. And I believe Australia has... uh, got a bit of breathing space by God, given to us by God in the midst of terrible situations that are going on around us in government. Even, even Tony Abbott said to me personally, he said, uh, Pastor, he said, we really need to be praying because our country is going in the, ba- in the wrong direction. He said that when he was Prime Minister. So let's pray. Regardless of what political party we're in, we're stuck with politics, we're stuck... With, uh, with politicians, but God has put at least a man who has some form of faith, who dares to put his hands up in church and worship the Lord, who dares... <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Not only say the Lord's Prayer in Parliament, but stand in a church and pray in front of all the people. We thank God. Amen? Amen. The Lord works in marvellous ways, and, uh, and we truly uh, are living in difficult times. I would just like you to stand while I read the Word of God. I thank God that we've got a little bit more time now. I won't take too much time. But uh, this is a verse that I read to you last time I was here, and we will springboard uh, from this particular point. It's in the, Go- in the Gospel of John, Chapter 1, and uh, this is my introduction. My title is, we are a holy priesthood. John chapter 1, verse 5. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness. To bear witness of the light that all through him might believe he was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not he came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen. Amen. We're going to open the word of God, preach from it. You may be seated. Thank you, brother, and, and the team you took to Nulnbui. I know that they would have been greatly impacted. When I was there just a couple of weeks before you, there was excitement of expectation, and uh, and every everything we did while we were there with uh, our brother, he was he was thinking, how are we going to plan this? How are we going to plan that? So we were talking about, you know, having having my wife and I as one thing, but having a team <laughs> like that, and uh, and God was it was just just so good, even the accommodation. Uh, was miraculous the way you know up there you pay about $300 a day to be in a motel. And uh, and Brother Lotu's boss said, I'll provide the accommodation, there's rooms here, all free of charge. They can, they can, yeah. It's amazing how Lord the Lord goes before. We are not only living in exciting times, but we're actually experiencing ourselves exciting times who's glad to be saved amen Amen. Amen. are you glad to know jesus as your savior amen Amen. Amen. but but that's the revolving door, door word do you have a burning desire in your heart to see others experience what you have experienced God can use you. We are a holy priesthood. We are, not just me and Brother Harvey. We are. Yes. That's Bible. And the Lord will use you if you give him the opportunity. Yes. Now, I played a very little part in this. and There's another man in this building that played a very little part in it. But it is an impacted a nation. I'll tell you, I saw Brother Freddy Santos here this morning, so I thought, wow, yeah, I'll tell this story. In, in, in uh, Indonesia, there was a man who went to a Pentecostal church, but he had a hunger for God. And, uh, and so much of a hunger that uh, he worked in the hospitality industry, and there was a man there that he knew was living a very sinful life. So he went to that man, who was uh, visiting uh, Bali from uh, from America, and he preached to him what he thought was the gospel. And as he was preaching to this very sinful man, he said, you better get this right, because the gospel you're preaching is not right. And this brother was very committed. And... uh, He said, what do you mean? He said, I'm a backslidden, oneness Pentecostal. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, the gospel says, unless you're baptised in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not saved. Even even backsliders can preach the gospel. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so this really rocked Brother Thompson, who's a pastor there now. He went away and uh, he thought, United Pentecostal Church. And uh, so he types it into his computer and up it comes, United Pentecostal Church of Australia. So he rings Australia. He rings Brother Freddie Santos. There was a lot of other contacts there, but Brother Freddie Santos was the one who got the telephone call. Oh, he said, Brother, I think, uh, I think maybe you should bring the superintendent. I'll give you his telephone number. <laughs> I, obviously, it was a bit too big it's another nation, you know. So uh, Brother Thompson rings me and I'm thinking wow man, this is overseas this is in Bali, we don't have any churches in Bali and uh, so uh, I said I will send you some tracks. So I posted some very simple tracks to him then he rings back, I want to know more about this and I'm thinking what can I do? Man oh man what can I do? So Brother Harvey, I broke all the rules (laughs) I had because he was a, a pastor or an assistant pastor of a church, I had some videos that belonged to the Bible school in Australia that were just sitting on the shelf, never being used, just sitting there waiting. And I, as I was talking on the phone, I looked down and there's these videos. I said, brother, I'm going to package you some videos on the Godhead, about salvation and about, uh, about, the, about the epistles. I'm going to put it in. a bit. Give, me, give me a number. So... Off they went in the mail. I thought, well, that's the finish of it. It wasn't. It wasn't the end. About six weeks later, he rang back. He said, we've watched them all. <laughs> I said, what do you mean we? He said, I got another pastor and we've sat here and we watched the whole lot. And we believe this. Come across and baptise us in Jesus' name. Of course when we went there we, we had to make sure, so we sat down and we made sure we even contacted that man's pastor and see if he would be interested. But the other man was Brother Freddy and he, he had actually been a judge in the court, was a retired judge. And they had sat there and absorbed the word of God and now they were going to step out and start their own churches. They, they tried to cooperate with the churches that they had, they were rejected, so they said we will start our own churches and today... In Bali, we have three churches. Brother Thompson's church, Brother Frederick's church, and just recently another church has started in Bali. What did I do? Nothing. I didn't even know what to do. But I just did what God basically just opened up for me to pay some postage and send some videos. That's how simple it can be. Now, that simple act of brother, brother Freddie connecting that man with me and me sending the, the packages. Now in Bali, there are hundreds of believers. Amen. That's how easy it is. When I go there, he says,
1: Dad, we always love
0: you coming here. You sent the gospel to us. Said, Hold on, I only sent you a couple of videos. <laughs> Okay, so I'll really get into my message now. In the Old Testament, there were God's chosen people, Israel. How did they get to be God's chosen people? You see, they weren't always even a nation, but they became a nation. And in becoming a nation, God said, this is my chosen people. But why? Well, it it began really with Abraham. But really, it was with Jacob when Jacob had his 12 sons. But during that time, Jacob had an encounter with God. Put your hand up if you've had an encounter with God. All right. Sometimes your encounter with God may not have been totally obvious when it happened. One of the things that God did through my wife and I, Uh, We were in India, and and I thought I was was suffering travel sickness. Tired, I'd had it. And I'm sitting there in the back of a taxi, weeping my eyes out and thinking, what is the matter with me? What's going on? I must be just too tired. And then as I drove down the road, I realised that I wasn't tired, it was the Spirit of God came on me. And therefore I had to be intent... Lord, how do you want to lead us? That's how it can happen, okay? We'll get back to that, that later. He had an encounter with God. In the middle of the night, he found himself wrestling with a man. Maybe he thought it was a man. But eventually, he realised that it was a special man. This was a theophany, and that's the, that's the theological term. But a manifestation of God had come to him, and he was wrestling. When he realised this, he was not going to let that man go. That's the way we are got to be. When you're wrestling with God, don't run. Hold on! The man said, let me go. The morning's coming. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Well, some blessings come with, uh, with uh, some marks because the... Uh, the man smote him in the hip, and from that day onwards, he, he had a limp. Yeah, every time he limped, he thought, I wrestled with God. <laughs> and we need to remember our times when we wrestled with God. Let's, got, let's not get our head in the cloud, okay? And, uh, and so uh, we read in the scripture at that particular occasion that he said unto Jacob, "Thy name shall, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for a prince has, has their power with God and with men and has prevailed. And so Jacob had 12 sons because his name, his name was, was changed to uh, Israel. Then they become the 12 sons of Israel. And then each of those men headed a tribe. Their lineage, became, each of those became the 12 tribes of Israel. So that, that is where Israel came from. It wasn't from the beginning. And we'll get to why they were chosen in a minute. But God said later on, he said, I didn't choose you because you were powerful. I didn't choose you because you were great in number. I chose you because I had made an oath to your forefathers. It's because of your forefathers that you're receiving this blessing. Well, it was through that tribe, or that, sorry, those tribes, through Israel, that came the lineage of Jesus. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, uh, God was very much quickly on the scene to, to remind or to, to warn or inform Satan the battle's not over. You may have got them, but the battle's not over. Because in the end, Satan, I'm going to crush your head. I'm going to send a man into this world. I'm going to come as a man. You may bruise my heel, but I'm going to crush your head. And we know that Jesus was bruised upon the cross. But he ultimately is going to be the victor. Yes. So back to our original question. God chose the ancient Israelites because of a promise that he had made to Abraham that Abraham's descendants would become a great nation they would number the sands of the sea but in the short time they would occupy the land of Canaan why did this happen to Abraham why well He was a man of faith. Faith is not some unimaginable distant thing. Faith, if we are talking about faith in God, basically it's stubborn. My God is my God. I trust in him. Doesn't matter what happens, I will not be moved. I'm going to trust him. He tells me to do something, I'll do it. Even if I don't think that it's going to come to anything, I will do it. Even if it doesn't look good, I know in the end it will be good. Because if God is in it, then there's power behind it. So, yeah, he, uh, he, he was a man of faith. He was a man who built altars. He loved to worship God. And, and then one day, God thought, well, I'll test you out at the altar. Remember the story how he said, God said to him, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and take him and sacrifice him upon the altar? Wow, man, this was contradictory to everything that that Abraham believed. Sacrifice my son! But Lord, you told me. Even Isaac himself said, "Lord, uh, Dad, we have, the, we have the wood and we have the fire, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. <laughs> Somehow Abraham knew that, that God was going to intervene. Just believe it that God is going to intervene. Amen. We've had times where we want to go preach the gospel and people said, You can't come! No, you can't do that. But if God has spoken, then it's going to happen. Patience. There's an old song. Have patience, have patience. Don't be in such a hurry. I'm not a singer. (laughs) So, if we have patience, if we've really heard from God, he will do it. Two things that stop us from seeing the hand of God move, is number one, we don't believe He can do it because it's not going to be done our way. Strange how, when the Lord says that, uh, promises something like that He's going to heal somebody, we have it all worked out of here exactly how it's going to happen. They will come down the aisle way, they will stand here at the altar, the pastor will get the anointing oil and He will anoint them, and then it's all going to, we have it all worked out. The only trouble is, that's us. Most of the time, God does it some, some other way. That's why you've got to have patience. Have patience. Let, let him do it his way and his time. And so Abraham received, because he was faithful to God, he received a promise, and it reads, And I will make thee of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And that same blessing was passed on to uh, to Isaac, his son, and Jacob, his grandson. God was proud to say that he was the God of Abraham. Abraham received an inheritance, and he passed that on to Isaac. Some of that inheritance was wells. The only problems were that the enemy had come and decided to to remove them from the land, and the best way they could do that was to fill their wells up. No wells, no water, no no flock. So uh, first of all, Isaac thinks, well, I'll do it my way, so he started to dig his own wells without success. And when you can't find success with yourself, then turn to God. And the Lord said, go back and dig those wells again. So he dug the wells. He re-inherited the land. He took it over and, and God used him in a wonderful way. Amen. And then as we've heard, Jacob had his experience as well. His encounter. What a frightening experience to have in a night in a lonely place when you're all on your own. But Israel that came out of Jacob was to be a nation of priests, prophets, type of missionaries I suppose we could say and God's intent for them was to be a distinct people that would point other nations around, the heathen nations, that would point those nations to the God of Israel the god that was with israel because he had promised the messiah he had promised the redeemer the savior well you know it's most unfortunate israel failed they didn't do too well at their task they uh, they were very proud of, of who they were and were god's children and and all this sort of thing and uh, they were very much about me me the tribe me of Israel, me, the tri- uh, one of the tribes of Israel. It was all about them. They failed to be the priests that would go into the world and point them towards, uh, towards the one true God. So things went so bad, God thought, Man, I go, amongst those, those 12 tribes of Israel, I have to raise up some preachers from within to preach to Israel because otherwise they're going to be lost. And so he raised up the tribe of Levi who became their preachers, who became the servants at the altar. Well, not all was lost because Jesus did come still through the tribe of Israel. His lineage was through the tribe of Israel. But God honoured his word and he honoured his name. You know it. You just have to read the Bible in the Old Testament. Just read the narrative. Wherever they went, God was with them. Yep. <laughs> the moment they crossed over Jordan, you know, they, were, they had, didn't have any faith. Well, they lost, many of them got lost in the wilderness. But when they passed over Jordan, God said, Wherever you put your foot, I will give it to you. And when God makes a promise, I tell you, when God makes a promise, then it's going to happen. nations had heard how god delivered them out of the hand of the egyptians and i'm telling you you don't have to read much of the bible to know that they feared even though they were the enemies of israel they feared the god of israel because at least god had done his side of the bargain even though they weren't because wherever they went they came to jericho I can just, just imagine those people in the city of Jericho looking over the walls thinking, what are they up to? What are they up to? They, they'd locked themselves in there because they knew that their God was the God of Israel. The one true God. You see, in, in, their, in their realm of things, they had many gods and, and the God of Israel was only one. So they're looking over, what's going on there? What are they up to? This is... These crazy people, they do lots of crazy things. What are they up to? Well, we know what happened when the walls of Jericho came down. We know what God was up to. Maybe we would have been wondering what God was up to if we had to march around that, that city. But he's always on time and he always comes in all of his power and his might and in the end, he reveals who he is. But in the midst of all this, They were not only God's chosen people, but God put put obligations upon their shoulders. Not only did they have the privilege of saying, we are God's chosen people, he said, if you're going to be my people, then you're going to do this, and this, and this, and this. So he gave them laws through, through Moses. He said, Moses... Write down the laws. Now some of these laws had actually been in place since the the birth of creation. Murder. We all know that murder uh, didn't come just with Moses, did it? Neither did stealing and things like that. That was all there. But uh, Moses just reiterated many of those laws, but he did bring other laws. Mainly the moral law was already in place, but there were three classifications. There was the moral law, the ceremonial law, and the civil law that was introduced. The civil law was because um, Israel was a theocracy, that is, God was their government. God said, these are the laws. In our land, we elect a government and they say, these are the laws. But back then, God was their government. So he set out the laws and these laws were, were laws they had to obey. In nearly everything they did, they had to obey. It also stated the punishments If if people disobeyed the law, like we have if you drive on the wrong side of the road and you get caught by a policeman, there's a punishment. And uh, if you go to the shop and steal something, there's a punishment. But uh, these were all stated in in the civil law. Then there was the moral law. These were God's general rules for right living. Now God just didn't say, let me just write out some laws that are moral. No, a lot of people don't understand that the moral laws that God gave was his own morality, his own morality. And God never changes his morals. So what was told them right back after creation by way of morals, still the same morals apply today. It doesn't matter what society does. It may approve abortion, but it doesn't matter what the world does, God still has his morals. Doesn't matter about euthanasia, God still has his morals. Doesn't matter what they say about marriage, God still has his morals, morals. It's God never changes his morals. It's fixed, it's firm, it's universal, it's unchanging. And believe it or not, he wrote it into our conscience. You break those moral laws. And, uh, and it doesn't matter what man says. You can go to a psychologist and get counselling and say, well, you know, I, I, I was brought up this way or, uh, or whatever you want to say to a psychologist and the psychologist or the psychiatrist will say, that's all right, you're going to walk out of there still having a conscience. And then, of course, natural. It's natural. It's natural to us not to kill. It's natural to us not to steal somebody else's goods these things are natural finally and i'll spend a bit of time on this there was the ceremonial law and this law prescribed the ceremonies that the jews would follow in their worship for god all outlaid in the old testament they were just not uh, just laws of worship back then but they were actually shadows of things to come all right when you see a shadow something's casting the shadow is that right yeah, if I stand in the sun and you walk out and see my shadow, you think, oh, look at the shadow. I think that's the shadow of John Downs. But you will never know much about the shadow until you look at me. And when they looked at these shadows, they pointed to things that were coming. When they sacrificed the, the, uh, the lambs and shed their blood, they were acting out a shadow of something to come in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, He's shedding blood upon the cross. All the little ceremonies they went through in their services were all part of something that was going to happen. Even when they celebrated the Passover before they came out of Egypt, or every little thing that God instructed them to do had meaning. Well, in addition to those laws, that is the laws of worship in the temple and the tabernacle, many of these ceremonial laws were not just for that, but outside of the church, outside of the place of worship. These were laws how they had to live their everyday life. There were laws about how they had to sow their crops, there were laws about how they had to sow their garments. Wow. You know, to us today, we read the Old Testament, we think, What? That's unusual. But there was a reason for it. And the reason for it is that God had a nation who were going to be special. They were going to be different. They were not going to be molded into the same mold as the heathen that heathen nations that were around them. He was saying. These are my special people and everything about them is different. In Leviticus nineteen nineteen, you shall not sow your crop with two kinds of seed, nor shall you wear a garment of cloth made of two kinds of material. Wow, that's a bit different. You know, you go to the, you go to the shop these days and you pick up something, and, you know, cotton and synthetics all mixed together. Well, it's not a law for us today but it was a law for them because God was saying these people are different. Men had a certain way that they, or there was a way they were not to cut their beards. Wow. They were not to eat pigs. They were unclean. Don't even touch their carcass. Women had to wear clothing that pertained to women and men were not to wear women's clothing still applies today they had laws about hunting hunting yeah all written there in the bible when they went hunting if you see an animal you're allowed to kill this animal but not that animal it all makes sense but there were laws that we would not obey today we don't have to obey them today but they were there because god wanted to make them a different nation he wanted to distinguish them. He wanted the people of the other nations to say, wow, these must be the Israelites, because this is the way the Israelites do it. And that's what God, the world should be saying about us today. Wow, wow. Now, we're not into the clothing business or the, the meat business and the eat business. We're not into that. But still, people should be looking at us and saying, wow, these must be the real Christians. The real Christians. These are the people that when they pray, God answers. Yes. And remember, you don't do anything. You just use the name of Jesus. Don't say, oh, I'm a healer. (laughs) No, God does the healing. Don't go boasting about anything. God will shut you down straight away. He said, I will not give my glory to another. But if you're in it to give glory to God, He will walk with you. I've probably told you this before, but I'll tell you again because it's a pretty good idea about how fleshly we are, Brother Hackathorn. You know, even us preachers of flesh. Lady at the altar, we're praying for anointing with oil. come to this lady and she said I have cancer on my face I was a pastor I thought oh cancer this has got to be a special prayer it's cancer special prayer (laughs) oh dear what will I pray (laughs) you know cancer, cancer that's the big word everybody doesn't like I've got to to say something that will give her faith and I'm sort of contemplating what I'm going to say so first step I said sister put your finger on the cancer it was a big festering mask on her face. She'd had it analysed. She put a finger on it. I put my hand on her hand and I'm, Lord, I've got to have this special prayer. And the only thing that came out is, I curse it in Jesus' name. And I thought, that's all. So I walked to the next person. She looked at me and said, is that all you're going to pray?
1: Just <laughs> <This> cancer. <laughs>
0: well, I didn't have anything else to say. This goes to prove that we are fleshy. We do tend to think that way. We think we're going to play a part in it. That lunchtime, about two o'clock in the afternoon, she rang. And said, "Pastor, amazing! I was washing up the dishes and it dropped off my face into the wash-up water." Yeah. Don't try to plan what God's going to do. He's the God of miracles. He was with Israel. Israel, I'm not saying you should be unbelievers or anything like that, but even in their worst state, God was still saying, they are my people and I'm going to reveal myself through them. You can use backsliders like happened in in Bali. Don't lift yourself up and say you're anybody, please. (laughs) But you know, some of these instructions, they may have... Passed away from the Old Testament, that is under the Old Covenant. But that doesn't leave us free because Jesus and the Apostles gave us lots of new instructions. One of those instructions in the New Testament was given by Jesus. He said, A new commandment, a new commandment I give unto thee that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one to another. Yeah, it's amazing what a little bit of love will do. i get got a bit of time, brother Harvey, have I? Yeah, when I was a young man, I, I was at a, it wasn't a UPC conference, I went there, but the preacher was unbelievable. He was from a very poor country, but he had a very big church. And uh, he was communicating to us how God does amazing things. So he's in church, he's the pastor of his church, there's over a thousand people in the church and uh, he had a message prepared but God said don't preach it and he gave him a verse. So like most preachers, when you're going to preach something you, you just do what God says, you get up and the same thing happened to him. He opened the Bible and read it, love one another. God gave him, didn't give him anything else. He was waiting for the source to come from heaven, like the anointing. <laughs> what's what's got to happen from here? So he read it again. Love, one another. That's after all, that's all God gave him. <laughs> Stood there and the congregation saying, come on, Pastor, launch. <laughs> Love one another. He said it a third time. By this time, the elders are on the uh, are behind him on the on the platform, are going, <clears throat> they think maybe it's a broken record or something or rather. <clears throat> And the third time, fourth time, he says, reads it again. The Bible says, love one another. He was only preaching what God wanted him to preach. Why does church always have to be the same? Move over, preacher, and let God do some work. (laughs) I think about the fifth time... He said somebody in the back of the large congregation got out of their seat and walked across the church and embraced somebody else. He didn't know, but possibly they may have been enemies. They hugged each other. Then another person walked to another person and greeted them. The ladies were hugging each other, the men were hugging each other. Coats were coming off. There were rich people in the congregation and poor people. Expensive coats were coming off and putting them on the poor people. Wallets were coming out of their pockets and people were giving money to each other. Oh, he said it was amazing what happens when you let God do something. But the thing that touched me the most was the man in the congregation who had nothing give. Remember the widow with the mite? This is like that, (laughs) this is amazing. Have you heard this before Brother Harvey? Okay. He wrote a book and it's in his book too. And uh, so this poor man who slept on the street, he was a beggar, he didn't have anything to give anybody, nobody wanted his rags, he had no house to take people back for a meal. So when he was walking out of the church he got an idea. He had some small change in his pocket that had been given to him, so he went into the shop and he bought a bottle of perfume, a bottle of perfume, cheap perfume. That night when he came back to church and the worship service was on, he went around the church and anointed everybody. With the perfume <laughs> he, he went around, he put a bit of perfume on every, and the preacher said, "The whole perfume filled the whole church, and people began to rejoice because they understood what God was doing. Yeah. Just let him do it. He was with Israel, he'll be with you. Yeah? he <laughs> he's got to come out of the dark and say, "Surprise, You weren't expecting that.") <laughs> So then there was the we've been given the fruit of the spirit man this is not the way of the world the fruit of the spirit you read it in the, book of Gal, in the book of Galatians then in Timothy he told men to pray that's pretty hard for guys to pray and pray and lift up your hands you know us guys we're there's a proud side of us that uh, take quite a fair bit to get our arms past our shoulders. And it said, we're not to doubt. You know, God, God made us with a, with a logic for a reason, but not to logically try and work God out. So it says not to doubt, and it says not to have wrath or anger. We tend to lose it occasionally, particularly if we're not trusting in God. Then he said to the women that they must adorn themselves with modest apparel. And, and, and we're not, not, not to rely upon decking ourselves out to make ourselves look good. Let the, let the glory of God shine through you, men and women. Let the glory of God shine through you. They will say they're different. They are different. That's because we are priests under God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, from which comes my title but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You see, earlier it said God would have a nation, which was not a nation. We're part of that nation that was not a nation. We are part of the body of Christ, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That's not a funny ha-ha peculiar. Okay. This peculiarity means different. Different. That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Into his marvellous light. Now it brings me back to the text that I read right at the beginning out of the Gospel of John. In there it says that Jesus was the light that came into the world. John proclaimed it. But it, it puts a little line in there that a lot of people read right over. Which hath shone into the heart of every man that cometh into the world. That heathen neighbour of yours who said he's an atheist, <laughs> no, no, God has already shone in, his, shone in his heart. I may have preached this before, but everybody who comes into the world has their God moment where God says, I really am up here, I'm really here. It may be when they look up at the heavens and the stars, God says, oh, I'm here, you, you can't do that. Or maybe uh, through some other means, maybe the birth of a baby. You see, you know, even us tough men, we go to pieces when we see a little baby born. Yeah. And we think, there's, there's got to be a God. There's got to be a God. Maybe it's when you go to the countryside and look over the hills, you Oh, man, there's got to be a God. That's your God moment. That's when, that's when the light of God shines into the heart of every man. So don't try and convert. <laughs> don't try and convert, atheists. There's no such thing. They say they are, but really they're not. Start off with, you know there's a God. They say, no, no, I don't believe it. No, no, no. You know there's a God. You know. And that God wants to be your God. Then they'll say, oh, but if I went into church, the roof would fall down. Just try it. I don't think it will. So I don't have to ask them to come to church. You say, well, if you you feel scared about coming to church, then we don't have to go to church. We can have a Bible study. Yeah. Then you'll begin to see the miracles that, that God was with Israel. He's with us. You'll be teaching a Bible study and uh, they'll say something like, what's in this for me? And that's an open door, isn't it? What's in this for me? One of the first times I ever preached when I was uh, a pastor in, became a pastor in Canberra, I was up against it because the, the, the church there was in a bad way. And I preached one of my first messages and somebody dared to bring an unbeliever to church. Man, she was in witchcraft and everything. And I'm preaching the gospel and this woman runs down the aisleway towards the pulpit. What have I got to do? What have I got to do? <laughs> that night she was baptized in Jesus' name. I only preached the gospel. I wasn't pointing her out or anything. Matter of fact, it was quite a theological theological sermon that I was preaching. Just let the Lord do the work that he's going to do. We've been given the commandment to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptising people. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Amen. He said... But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Amen. Yes, you say, I'm, uh, he's a preacher. Yeah, I'm in the preaching business. That's because God called me into it. And don't think that that's an easy thing. All right, Be happy with your ministry. Just take it in the dose that God's given you. Okay? But you know, that simple act of what happened in Bali, that's just a simple act. I was interested in pastoring a church in Canberra. Little did I know an act of Brother Santos and me responding to that would open up A whole nation of Bali. It's as simple as that, brothers and sisters. Just do what you can do. As the door opens, go through it. Don't plan. Just do what you can do. You may think you're throwing your money away. You may think you're throwing your time away. No, it doesn't happen that way. He was with the God of Israel. He'll be with us and he will show his face. (laughs) Share your heart with people. Share your mind. Don't try to pretend that you're some holy person. I'm not saying unveil all your sins before them. They've got enough problems. <laughs> but speak to them in a meaningful way. Cry with them when they cry. Laugh with them when they're, when they're laughing. Visit them when they need to be visited. Yes, yes. God didn't call us to stand up in a pulpit and preach. He told us to be real Christians. You may visit somebody because they're sick. Maybe a close friend. Just simply say, let me pray for you. I have a God who hears prayer. You may not say that because you're scared, because you're thinking about what you can do. Distrust God, he'll turn up <laughs> and he won't do it the way you have planned. <laughs> so we are his ambassadors, we represent him. All that's we're asked to do is to do our part, as simple as it may be. He called upon the, the children of Israel to be different, very different, embarrassingly different. Because the way they sowed their crops seemed ridiculous. The way that they wore their garments with the things around the bottom and and even the way they worshipped was just totally different to everybody else. Well, that's the way God has it. God's people will always be different to the world. That world out there has a mould. And the devil's going to say to you, you've got to fit in that mould. And I'm going to force you into that mould. By your friends around you, your situation, I'm going to force you into that mould. But you've got my permission to be a rebel on at least one case and say, Satan, not with me. Not with me. I'm going to be like my God. I'm going to serve him. We will be different. We'll look different. We'll behave different. Oh, yes, they notice it. i used to be a school teacher one guy stopped me in the passageway from the uh, across the paddock in another school coming down the passageway he's john he knew my name he said what is it that's so different about you Mm. i hardly knew him but he'd been watching me Mm. he'd been watching me so i had an opportunity very briefly it was in work time very briefly to say i'm a christian i trust in jesus yeah You just do the little bit that God's asked you to do. It may go into something bigger, but just trust him. One sows, another waters, and God gives the increase. Now for the very chilling bit. Because I look around this church and I see empty seats. You think they're empty because God has not brought somebody in here to sit in there. They're empty because you haven't brought somebody That's in.
1: Right. Right.
0: Forgive me for getting too close to the bone, okay? Hmm. <laughs> you see this seat here? This one just right here. There's a student out there somewhere. He's from China. He's doing the degree. He's allowed into the country for a short period of time. He doesn't know Jesus. Probably never heard about Jesus. But if he doesn't hear about Jesus, he'll never sit here. He'll go back to a heathen country where it's prohibited to preach Jesus. Who's going to reach him before he leaves Australia? He should be sitting in this seat here today but he's not here because somebody has not shared the gospel with him. Showed love to him, hospitality, whatever it is. There's a, there's a, 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 a mission field out there with these people from overseas. Yeah, I even read this week that it said bluntly, it said Australians are too stubborn to go reach the lost so God brings them into our nation. It's true. Yes. They think they're coming for an education. But you know, Brother Harvey, I think there's a bigger plan in this. Yes. And brother, just these five seats right beside you here, this five seats, yes. One, two, three, four, five. Take the bag off that seat, sister, because somebody's going to be sitting there. That's right. Five seats. Mum, dad, and three children. Jesus has seats reserved for them in this church. But if they're not here shortly, they'll be divorced. It won't only be in church, they'll be a broken family. Because divorce doesn't break up families, it breaks people. Seat here, right at the front here. There's somebody who was God's planning to sit in this seat here. And guess what? If they're not here shortly, they're already taking drugs. If they're not sitting here pretty shortly, they're going to blow their mind. They'll end up in a lunatic asylum. Are you going to reach them before? Don't treat the drug addicts as as touchless or untouchables. They need the gospel. And you may just make it in time that he will sit there and because he's been delivered from his drugs, he'll dance before the Lord and he'll praise the God. He'll praise the God that we worship. And then over here, right down the back there, I see a seat. That seat's for a girl. She's only about 22 years old. All she's known throughout her life is trouble. She's now left home and she feels that nobody loves her. She's had trouble at work. Trouble with her friends rejecting her. And even today, she's at home thinking, life has nothing for me. If she's not there in the near future, she'll commit suicide. And there's only one way she's going to be here. Rather chilling, isn't it? God has us not here this is not our me time after we've been filled with the Holy Ghost. If, if receiving Jesus and being filled with the Holy Ghost was all that, all that we need to do, then we would have gone. But we're here for a reason. And the reason is to reach the lost people. The intent of God for Israel... The intent of God for Israel was to lead them to the one true God. They weren't asked to say too much. They were just asked to be different. And God said, I'll be with them. You may say, I'm not a preacher. Well, that's a run. You may say, I, even, I don't even know whether I could teach a Bible study. Well, maybe you can't. Maybe you can fix a motor car or cook a cake. Do the simple things. I preached it all when I said build a bridge. This is part two. What are we going to do in Australia? I've travelled Australia preaching build a bridge. And many people thought, I didn't know it would be that so easy. Well, who deceived us into thinking it was not easy? The devil. He would make it so complex that, that involves our, our how we feel and all the rest of it. It's not about us. Just launch out. Yeah. Yeah. Launch out into the deep. Yeah. Let down the nets. <laughs> wow. yeah. we, could, we could draw a family tree here about who bought who in and you'd be surprised. Because... You save one; you you become part of saving one person, bringing one person to the truth. They go home and bring mum and dad. Then the family comes, and then the neighbours come. Then the neighbours bring their neighbours. They bring their family, and it just goes on and on and on. But people fall away. You say, "Well, they're going to fall away anyway." But those who want Jesus will stay. Yes. God's way is a narrow way, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. People have got a free will. But we need to give everybody the opportunity of finding Jesus. Will you let Jesus use you? Will you? Will you let Jesus use you? I'm finishing, Brother Harvey. I've gone a bit too long. but to you let, You've got to learn to hear the voice of God. And he's prompting. Now you watch this week. I'm telling you right now, this is going to happen with each of you this week. When you're in a situation the Lord's going to say to you, it'll be a prompting, as it were. Speak to them. Show them some love. He will direct you to do something. Now, you can shut that out. But if you're spirit-filled, that's the prompting of God's Holy Spirit to take the next step. We can operate the word of knowledge in church, which is an amazing thing. But God can give you the word of knowledge and the word of faith at home, anywhere in the shopping centre. You know, Brother Henwood was walking, Brother Henwood was one of our early missionaries, he was walking down the streets of Alice Springs one day and he, he walked past another Aboriginal man coming the other way and God said, pray for him. So he stopped him. he said, can I pray for you? So right there on the main street, on the, on the sidewalk, he talked to this man about Jesus. He only got a simple prompting. Before the time was over on the main street of Alice Springs, the man was kneeling on the pavement, received the gift of the Holy Ghost. What a miracle. You're here because of your miracle. It was a miracle that you came and knelt at the altar. It was a miracle that you said, what have I got to do? What's next? It was a miracle that he filled you with the Holy Ghost. Miracles all the time. The only thing we think of miracles is when we get a strike of lightning out of the sky and it burns a hole in the carpet. No! God works in simple ways. We are a peculiar people, an unusual people. And therefore, God's going to use unusual ways. I invite you to come and commit yourself to God, that you will listen to his voice, that you will step out and be the holy nation that God wants us to be. Be the priesthood that God wants us to be. Thank you, Brother Harvey.
1: Let's all stand this morning. We've heard from the Lord. God has spoken to us and issued a challenge for us to respond and to come rising. this occasion that god is calling us for this hour i want to invite you to come to this altar this altar is open if you want to spend some time with god say god i'm giving you my heart my life i want you to use me for your purpose for your kingdom and glory i want to be a witness in this world a light to shine not to say that we're perfect not to say that we've got everything together but there is somebody that needs to know jesus that needs to be introduced to him, and needs to hear the message of salvation and the gospel. Hallelujah, and you've got that within you. If you say, Lord, I'm so fearful, God can touch you right now and give you joy, give you boldness and courage to be a vessel. Is there anybody here that knows somebody, a work friend, a relative, that you know that they're lost? God's calling you to reach out to them and touch them. Perhaps you feel like you're inadequate, you don't feel like you've got what do you need, what it takes to reach them. But if you give your heart to God right now, he will empower you. You shall receive power after the, the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be a witness in this world. You need a gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost in your life. Why don't you come? Let him fill you with his spirit. You need t- a touch from God. This altar is open. It's your opportunity now to respond to his word. Hallelujah. Let's seek him together while wow, he may